0: This morning's Bible reading is from Isaiah chapter 40, reading from verse 21 through to 31, and can be found on page 688. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces the rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown. No sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither. And the whirlwind sweeps them away like a chaff. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal? Says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my cause is disregarded by God? Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Amen.
1: Thank you, Alfred. So I'm going to invite Kath now to come up and and speak to us. Now this morning at 9.30, Kath's slides didn't work and she described them beautifully, so much so I'm really excited to see what they look like now. So shall we pray for Kath? Heavenly Father, as we gather before you, to hear your word, to praise your name, be with Kath who's bringing us your word this morning and open our hearts to hear it and to receive everything you have to say that we may go from this place stronger and better equipped to be good Christians in Camborne and beyond. Amen. Technology is an amazing thing, isn't it? It's, um, so the first slide, if we, if, we ever, if we ever get it to work this morning, is, uh, is a picture of the Sistine Chapel. Uh, I don't know if anybody's been there. Um, a quite a magnificent place, uh, but quite an exclusive place, certainly uh, in times gone by. So, a, f- a few years ago in um, 1630 or so, there was an Italian composer by the name of Gregorio Allegri, and he wrote an exquisite piece of choral music for Psalm 51. It was called Miserere, if I pronounced that correctly, or Mercy. In Latin. It was performed only a few times a year. It was in, performed exclusively in the Sistine Chapel and it was forbidden to make a copy. For nearly 150 years, this beautiful piece of music was heard only by a handful of people. Then one day, so the story goes, a 14 year old was on holiday in Rome with his family and he heard this music during a Wednesday service. Fortunately for us, the teenager was Mozart, so he went back to where he had been staying and wrote it down, note by note, from memory, thereby opening up Allegri's miserere to the rest of the world. Today, we are in the second of a series on exile and how that might relate to our experience of a church in vacancy. The verses in Isaiah were written as the people of Judah were in exile in Babylon. Away from Jerusalem and the temple, they had to think again, re-examining their identity and exploring God's identity as they attempted to work out what had happened and why. They came to realise that God was the almighty God of creation. That was good timing, actually. (laughs) It wasn't just God of their little corner of the earth, but he was God of everything and creator of everything. And just as Allegri's miserere could not be contained within the walls of the Sistine Chapel, they came to realise that God could not be contained in the temple, all by their own limitations or imaginations. He was much, much bigger. Of course, it's very easy to miss the bigger picture right in front of us. If you take an average two-year-old for a walk, it seems to take forever. Every step, they see something new and wondrous, a stone, a ladybird, a cobweb. In the words of the Lego movie, everything is awesome. For me, there is always somewhere to be, something to be doing, the next three things to be thinking about. It's very easy to lose sight of the wonder in the world around us. In recent years, there's been much talk of mindfulness as an activity to support mental health. The crux of it is taking notice of where we are and what we're doing, for a few minutes becoming a two-year-old again. It is good for us mentally and spiritually to wonder. Recently, we had the great privilege of being on a beach near Sheringham at sundown. This is is that. Can't really do it justice. Even at the times in my life where I have doubted the existence of God, for me, it has come back to this. What is the point of a sunset? It serves no purpose and achieves nothing, except instilling wonder and awe as it changes minute to minute in a constant renewing of the most exquisite work of art painted across the sky. Entirely pointless, yet utterly glorious. In those first six verses of Isaiah, we see this long, impressive list of the characteristics of God, not only as creator, but all-powerful, almighty, strong, merciful, gracious, incomparable, tireless. In essence, God is enormous. We are tiny, And in our tininess, it is too easy for us to try and contain God and what we expect of him. We try and make God small. But God is not governed by our limitations or imaginations, by our policies or processes, and will certainly not be limited by buildings. It is beyond us to fathom But actually, there is great value in pondering on his hugeness and our tininess. You may know a children's book written by Dr Seuss. Horton Hears a Who. Horton is an elephant living in the jungle. And one day, because he has enormous ears, he thinks he hears the faintest shouting. In the end, he works out, it comes from a tiny speck. And as he listens, he realizes the tiny speck is actually a town full of people called Hooville. Barely big enough for him to see, he gently picks up the speck and places it safely on top of a pink clover flower. It perhaps works well as an image for God's enormity and our tininess. For we have a God who is most certainly big enough. Eleven years ago, I was heavily pregnant with my eldest daughter. We'd opted for a home birth, and late one night it became clear she was on the way. It was a daunting prospect. I locked myself in the downstairs toilet and quietly sang to myself the song we just sang earlier. Our God is a great big God, higher than a skyscraper, deeper than a submarine, wider than the universe. Remembering God's enormity made an enormous situation somehow slightly smaller, slightly less daunting. But it didn't mean for me, and it doesn't mean that everything moves forward without difficulty... Clearly those in exile have been calling out to God, complaining that he could not see them, that he didn't appreciate the troubles. God responds as he does in many other places in the Bible, not justifying why something has happened or what the possible solutions might be in minute detail, but he reminded them, and perhaps some of us too need to be reminded, that we are not abandoned. Even as we go through periods of shadow or uncertainty and we don't understand, we have a God who is bigger, more powerful and stronger than we could ever imagine. An almighty creator God who is interested in us and our well-being. Dr. Seuss puts it rather down, Horton thought with alarm. If I do these small persons may come to great harm. I can't put it down, and I won't. After all, a person's a person, no matter how small. As Camborne Church today, the need to look back in awe at the almighty God, reminding ourselves of the story of God's faithfulness over the years gives us the confidence to move forward. Not just because we have a God who is big enough and mighty enough and powerful enough and tireless enough, but also because we have a God who loves us enough. When we spend time reflecting on the enormity of God and his creation... And reminding ourselves that there is nothing in all of this incredible creation that will ever be able to separate us from the love of God seems all the more incredible. Nothing can separate separate us from his love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor other heavenly rulers or powers, neither the present nor the future, neither the world above or the world below. There is nothing. However big and high and deep and wide God is, so is his love for us, stretching across space and time, physical and spiritual dimensions. A love that will tirelessly search for us in our times of lostness and despair. Back to Horton the Elephant. One day the bright pink clover flower and the tiny town of Hu get snatched from him and thrown (coughs) into a vast field of bright pink clover, 100 miles wide. In a seemingly hopeless situation Horton searches at great cost to his battered bones and his injured toes, more dead than alive, he searches hour after hour without rest until finally he finds them again on the three millionth flower. And as the people of who ask Horton if he will stick with them, comes this reply. Of course, he answered, of course I will stick. I'll stick by you small folks, through thin and through thick. However small and insignificant we may feel, we have a God who is everlasting, who does not grow weary, who will never tire in his search for us, despite great cost to himself, who will walk beside us and love us whatever comes. The last few verses of today's reading are some of the most commonly referred to in Isaiah. We used them last week in the act of remembrance. They declare God's reassuring promise to us as we put our hope in him, then we will fly or walk or run. Depending on which version of the Bible you read, some have those who hope in the Lord, some have those that wait upon the Lord and some have those that trust in the Lord. Perhaps the key is that it simply doesn't say those who believe in the Lord. There is a need for action on our part. For perseverance, for faithfulness, for expectancy, for waiting on God's timing, for hope. Not hope in a vague, optimistic sort of way, but hope based on knowing the great things God has done and the expectation that he will do great things in the time to come. All too often we may busy ourselves with our own good and commendable ideas or agenda that we rush into and can't sustain. But we need God's ideas, not our ideas. And only as we turn to God, as we wait and trust and hope, only then comes movement And that might be fast and exhilarating or slow and deliberate. But it is movement forward in continuing the mission that God has given us, relying only on God's strength. Being a people and a place of light in our community. Furthering his kingdom in his strength, not ours. Following his agenda, not ours. To me it is the image of our church as a child, reaching to hold the hand of a wise and loving father, waiting as needed for the right time to move, to be led in the right direction. So Camborne Church, let us pray boldly in confidence to our source of strength and power, Our God who is big enough and who became small because he loves us enough. Let us pray that as we wait upon him, our powerful, mighty creator God and our loving father, as we trust in him, as we hope in him, we can and should expect great things from him for his glory in this place. Amen.